the siege of Derry. 105 days of siege. Oh, those brave inhabitants with the garrison who gallantly defended the wall town of Derry Island through those protracted days, December 7, 1698, when the gates were closed and the siege began April 18th till August 12th, 1699. This was the last successful invasion of English lands and an internal coup. King James II was ruling by personal decrees and was listening to William Penn asking for freedom for religion. The king was Catholic and was deposed by his daughter Queen Mary, a Protestant. King James wanted the lands of his Catholic subjects that had been confiscated returned to them. 20,000 men, many of them foreign mercenaries, came with King James II up to the gates where the 13 apprenticeship boys pulled clothes. The Protestants saw the army coming and they fled to the town, swelling its population. The town was asked to surrender but refused. The siege began when storming the walls failed and they resorted to starving dairy out. Can you imagine the extreme privations that they successfully suffered through for our posterity? From the stone ramparts of the city they shouted, No surrender! No surrender! Our Barnett ancestors were on the side of William, Prince of Orange, Mary's husband, for the English throne. Imagine the suffering, the long endurance amid famine, pestilence and death, until in June, three British Navy ships came up the river foil. The king's men had erected a boom across the river, which they could not break through. Eventually, the Mount Joy did, and the city was relieved. The Protestant William of Orange, who was King William II of Great Britain, had defeated the Roman Catholic King James II. One of the surviving grandchildren, Miss Lucinda James Gray, would pen the words to the poem called The Closing of the Gates. It's two pages long, but tells the tale very well. Here's a couple of her verses. The haughty foe came boldly up with weapons keen and bright. Within those narrow walls, each face paled quickly at the sight. One startling cry rang wildly up from street to palace dome. The gates, the gates closed fast the gates for freedom and our home. They heard the dreadful shot and shell, and fast the fire came down. The roaring of the culverin resounded through the town. The river blazed with lightning and the red-hot cannonballs. Thundered against the trembling gates and shook the dark old walls. Ah, hushed was every hillside home and stilled was every song as paled the famished faces of that starving, suffering throng. Wan skeletons with trembling steps, the battered bulwarks trod, and thousands ere the summer waned lay dead beneath the sod. Janet Seaforth Keene climbed the steps of the old cathedral. She dropped upon her knees, too weak, too faint, but her pleading prayers were answered when she heard, The ships, the ships are coming! Oh, what a happy sight upon the tide! But from the shore... The king opened batteries and blazing balls came thundering. One vessel ran aground. Janet watched the struggle of the ships. They broke the boom and victory was had at last. Janet's father-in-law was William McKean, born about 1615 in Argyllshire, Scotland, a farmer and covenanter, a follower of the teachings of John Knox. 
Knox had helped write the new confession of faith for the newly created Reformed Presbyterian Church. William McKean served as the religious leader of the Protestants through Mary, Queen of Scots. William McKean was very canny and wasn't convicted during a military tribunal inquest into the 1679 murder of Archbishop Sharp in Scotland. When King Charles I first insisted all his subjects join the Church of England and sent troops to annihilate the Covenanters, William and his family escaped to the glens of Antrim in North Ireland, where the Scottish Presbyterians were given land, confiscated from the Catholic Irish. There had been a rebellion in 1641, and many were killed. The defenders of the 1689 feared that if they surrendered, that massacre would ensue as in the previous generation. The McKeans, William and his two sons, John and wife Janet Seaforth and James, survived the siege of Derry with the Barnets. But life didn't get any better. In 1704, with an act of parliament, it stated that only Anglicans could hold office in Ireland. Presbyterians were excluded and that meant no vote either. Political, religious, and economic hardships were the lot of the Scotch-Irish. James Keenan resolved to immigrate to America, where he could peacefully enjoy the religion of his choice. Having disposed of his property, he embarked with 16 families, including his preacher, Reverend James McGregor, and my sixth great-grandfather, John Barnett Sr., and his family, all from the parish of Agadawi, County of Londonderry, Ireland. Janet's husband, John McKean, died just before setting sail. She and her four children, John Jr., Robert, Samuel, and Mary, aged 18, 13, 8, and 4, made the trip under the sponsorship of her brother-in-law, James McKean. Five shiploads headed for Massachusetts in 1718. I told you all this story because Janet became the wife of Captain John Barnett Sr., they were married by James McGregor on November 29, 1721, and they had made the same trip together. John's first wife died on the voyage. Her name was unknown. John Barnett's children were John Barnett Jr., Margaret, Annis, William, and Moses. John Barnett Sr. was born 1654 in Derry, Londonderry, Ireland, and died at East Derry, Rockingham County, New Hampshire, at the age of 86.